So, so do you think uh, people can put in their CVs, you know, I, I can optimize C, I can optimize Java, and the next one will be, I can optimize YAML? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are too tired, even. <laughs> Man, that was an amazing joke. No, no, it wasn't. No appreciation. No, next time. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Optimize All the Things podcast. I'm your host Bartek Podka, and I'm your host Ivan Volkov. Optimize All the Things is a podcast in which we talked about software engineering, performance, technology, careers, soft skills, and really all the things that we can optimize in our work and life. Today we will do some um, something special. I mean, there's always something special, of course, but this time we'll do <laughs> retrospective on the KubeCon uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, that happened, uh, well, on the time of our recording, it happened last week. I was totally, you know, uh, so tired, but we managed to find time to record uh, some thoughts about that. We also did, well, I thought uh, I did some interviews uh, with some amazing people uh, during the KubeCon. Um, sometimes I approach them, you know, randomly on, on the floor or where the booth wears, where, or maybe they were approaching like a Prometheus booth and I was like, hey, do you mind um, answering some questions? So um, thank you for all those amazing guests. And I asked specifically three short questions. One, if the software efficiency is still relevant. Second, do you use AI or what do you think about those things in your workday, um, you know, workday style? And the last one, what are your predictions for the next KubeCon? Um, yeah, so we'll ask, all, all, we'll, we, or I did ask, um, you know, those questions to, to all, the, all the people and we had really surprising answers. We also have some uh, amazing uh, guests, so definitely worth a listen. Let's jump straight into it. Let's go. And also, it will be interesting to uh -huh. hear your uh, thoughts on uh, KubeCon. Um, just before we start, overall impression, like, how would you describe it? You have been to many, many conferences. If you compare it to something uh, previous, was it better? Was it worse? Yeah, it was... Uh, no, I, I think it was good. And there are so many variables to say if it's better or worse um <laughs> so i cannot i cannot tell because for example like my expertise and kind of like skills to talk to people also yep. grown and <laughs> i was preparing different sessions so it was totally different right so definitely a lot of people definitely it end up like a fosdem with like full rooms fully booked so you have to you, even if you are half an hour before the sessions you couldn't even get in so that part was kind of like super hard and you know it was because we have like extraordinary amount of people like 10,000 attendees and yeah. um but you know some some talks were fine some most <laughs> Thanos intro and Prometheus intro there's no way you could fit it was too small <laughs> Um, I was um, organizing this observability day, which was kind of collocated event on Tuesday. So full day, just observability talks. It was great. That was kind of more chilled. Uh, it was full room, but like place for everybody and yeah. fully focused on observability. So um, we learned a lot on the way. So um, I'm super excited to, to, to kind of like improve what we what we had. But we had panel, we had like in-person, lots of in-person um, talks around different things. Um, for example, like I love the native histogram um, done by Bjorn mm -hmm. Rubberstein. Uh, kind of, I knew about native histograms in Prometheus, but yeah. I, 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 I actually <laughs> I didn't, right? Because after this yeah, talk, I, things, yeah. I learned so much. Um, and you know, all those uh, videos are on YouTube as well. And for Observability yeah. Day... Are they already on YouTube? Yeah, Observability or? Day is already on YouTube and uh, Coupon, will, Coupon will come soon. And uh, what else? The Frederick talk about profiling formats. I love it. It was kind of like what pprof looks like. Um, so yep. the things I mentioned in my book, uh, but uh, but additional protocols as well and kind of improvement for pprof going forward. So if you mm -hmm. love continuous profiling, please check it out. Um, I tweeted about, I tweeted the link as well. Yep. Yeah. And the, and the kubekin itself, yeah, it was super busy. Um, but, you know, in a good sense, like I was literally walking to the toilet two hours because I was like, <laughs> I was like meeting random people uh, from the community and I wanted to chat with them. So it was crazy. I was dead after after all of it. Like, <laughs> good luck with trying to even like drink and party afterwards. I was too tired. And also all the pubs were full. So, <clears throat> yeah. 
and I heard that after the conference, it took its toll on you. You got uh, sick. Yeah, but at least I didn't have a COVID. Some people had COVID, so <laughs> it could be worse. Um, yeah, so I, I, I wished I actually probably put mask. Uh, some people had masks. Um, mm. Yeah, and also we experimented or, <clears throat> you know, the Thanos and Prometheus team. Um, we experimented with the workshops, which called Scontrip Fest. Yeah. Yeah. And I wished we could do it more, yeah. So this is the session, 90-minute sessions, where you could bring your laptop and kind of like work with us on contributing mm -hmm. to Thanos or Prometheus. Or actually for Prometheus, we have instrumentation with Golang. And really random people came and, and kind of tried to instrument a Go application um, mm -hmm. with Prometheus metrics, right? And, and uh, Basically add, add an import? Or <laughs> it's actually more involved, like it's a manual instrumentation <laughs> with, with highlight on manual word. Yeah, of course. But I think that's uh, also very valuable, right? Uh, you get more um, specific insights into your application. And actually one guy was um, uh, using Copilot, which is funny. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. it, it worked Did pretty Copilot well. know all about Prometheus? Yeah, a lot, yeah. Um, it has to warm up like in the very beginning <laughs> and um, yeah, highlight to Pavel um, Davidovich who did that. It was actually a Polish guy. And yeah, um, and yeah like in the, in the beginning it was funny, like he, you know, he tried to use this co-pilot and he was not giving suggestions. And it was yeah. like you, you screaming know? at this co-pilot, like, <laughs> how to turn on this AI? Why um, that doesn't give me anything? And then once yeah. uh, he started to write more and more, and I guess maybe, I don't know, there are some other blockers, it started yeah. to pop yeah, up yeah. and it was helpful. And it was the yeah, first time yeah. he wrote in Go or something, so... Oh, nice, nice, nice. You know, you know, in the ChatGPT and all of these AIs, so you can say, for example, write a poem in the style of Shakespeare, right? I wonder if uh, in Copilot you can say, write me uh, Observability 2 in the style of Bartek Plotka. No? Yeah. <laughs> all the comments would have missing, yeah, uh, the, the training <laughs> comment, the, the training period, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, anything awesome. else? Um, I mean, yeah, it was all about people, right? I spent majority of time near the booths, either vendor booths of, or, or, or mostly in Prometheus booth, where all the Thanos, Cortex, or Mimir yeah. maintainers were kind of, um, and users were kind of uh, mm -hmm. going around. So um, I love that. Um, yeah, I can recommend KubeCon. Just and I hope there will be a bigger venue next time. How was Amsterdam? Is a as a venue, as a place to hold a conference? Yeah, great. I mean, it was expensive, um, but but if you booked in advance, that was that was fine. Um, yeah, it was safe. It's super safe city, um, so you feel comfortable and and just walking around. Uh, it's beautiful. You know, I had a hotel that was kind of yep. like on north of that central station, mm -hmm. and there was there are no bridges, so I had to take <laughs> take either metro. Or or actually a ferry, which was super cheap. Oh wow! I mean cheap. Sorry, it was free, right? Like literally, you walk in, wait a couple of minutes, and it's super super quick as well. So not a problem. And then I rent a bike. Almost died. I mean the, the traffic <laughs> is much worse than London, honestly. Yeah. Well, I rent a bike. Almost died in the traffic, um, and uh, because I was like I didn't like mark where when I wanted to turn. I was like literally so close call with, with another oh. guy you know, trying to overtake me when I'm kind of like getting mm -hmm. left. So it would be my fault. Um, so essentially traffic is much larger than in London, but in a, in a, in a sense, you know, you have all those dedicated lanes. Um, yeah. And in London, it's not. You are randomly going in the street with the cars. <laughs> so I guess London is harder, but traffic is bigger in Amsterdam. So yeah, uh, overall, good stuff. Nice, nice. Okay, let's jump to the first uh, interview that you did. Hey, let's go. Let's uh, let's go with questions. Let's see what's interesting happening. Can you introduce yourself? Maybe what's your name? What's your profession? Yeah, sure. I'm Christina. I'm co-founder of MeshCloud. We are yeah, a Frankfurt-based company that helps large organizations move to the cloud. Amazing. Thank you. So first question is around software optimizations. You know, is it still relevant these days to really make sure that our programs are faster and maybe, you know, cheaper to run and use less memory? Is it still relevant? 
Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I think it's it's more relevant than ever because it's not only the the cost factor. We like recently um, moved our our own software to Kubernetes, for example, and we realized that we can save one third of the of the CO2 footprint as well of the CO2 emissions. So um, even if it's not relevant from from like a resources perspective, it's certainly relevant from a sustainability perspective. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Switching gears, do you use any AI tools these days? Like, do you do you use it for your work? And during the work, do you think, or maybe you are looking forward to using some of the tools in your workforce? Like, what's what's your point on uh, what's your point of view on on, on this subject? So we use it um, in in marketing and sales roles a lot, really? um, but not on the on the programming side yet. Do you want to use it on programming side? <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah, I think there, there's lots of ways where you can optimize like small tasks and just accelerate um, the stuff. I mean, we we are building quite complex software, so I don't know. It, I don't think it can replace um, like big chunks, but I think it can really help to accelerate the process if used correctly. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's still experimental, right? Um, and last question: Like, what's your prediction for the next KubeCon, for the next next CNCF? What do you think will happen, or what do you want to happen? Uh, that's a good one. Um, it's my first KubeCon, so it's nice. hard to okay. <laughs> hard to say and predict. Um, I think, like from from my perspective, I I'd like to see. Um, yeah, more. Uh, there were actually a lot of talks on like the platform side, on the sustainability side, on the FinOps side. So these are the topics that I'm interested in. Um, I like to see some more girls on the next KubeCon as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Amazing. Yeah, this is very important, right? Like I, I definitely heard other feedback as well that we have just um, yeah less people from underrepresented groups. And that sucks, yeah. Uh, I wonder what we can do here. Um, there are just we need more girls, and I guess some actionable things that you can do, whatever your gender, whatever you do. Um, there are kind of like cool mentorships that we organize. I mean, in CNCF generally, it's called uh, Google Summer of Code or um, you know uh, LFX, and there's is also. Breach, something like that. No, I messed up. Anyway, but I will have the link for repository. It's um, where we announce those things. There are discussions you can join. But anyway, I recommend kind of like to apply if you want to join and maybe you're from an underrepresented group or or you want to mentor. Um, that's kind of like super important work. Yeah. We also plan to do some scholarship just for maybe women, you know, targeting maybe a group um in 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 our community in prometheus ecosystem mm -hmm. um yeah if you want to help also do you have to be experienced do you need to no, be no, a senior developer no exactly like actually better if you are not because we want to help um, new people but also if you're awesome. experienced but you are maybe shy or kind of like not into open source mm -hmm. yet like we would like, welcome you even even more i guess well like this nah, i can't <laughs> say even more <laughs> we will welcome you um as well so um, so please do that. And also like very important part to uh, to people who are already familiar with speaking, mentor others like properly. I mean, yeah. please directly, you know, approach maybe people who, who, who are underrepresented, but also, you know, they are talented and so on. So sometimes they are just blocked, they are shy, they don't have idea that they could kind of yeah. present. Yeah. And um, in my experience, this works extremely well when you are, you know, directly approaching and asking you know do you want to present with me or present and i will kind of present alone or some with somebody else and i will t go with you and i'll be kind of like uh helping you on the way uh, this is the i think the most actionable thing i've seen yeah anyway that was uh that was a good one um like i really love the sustainability part of this optimizations right like i think the the first person yep. that kind of um highlights that the, the, you know the, the fact that making things faster and, and cheaper to run also have a huge effect on kind of like ecology and sustainability. So that was like amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking about uh, sustainability. How, how do you even measure sustainability in this uh, with regards to like uh, optimizations? I think there are like so many different things you can do, but like is the ultimate goal just reducing CPU cycles? I guess... 
I guess, you know, not only CPU cycles, just everything around that, but there are those, uh, you know, CO2 um, mm -hmm. metrics, right? Yeah. Even yep. Google Cloud, some services kind of like tell you mm -hmm. that the CO2 kind of like, I don't know, efficiency is how it's called. Yeah. Oh, so it's called carbon emission, right? So there was carbon okay. emission uh, rating or, uh, or number and, mm -hmm. you know, calculated um, with different dimensions. And, and, you know, like, for example, you can choose like cluster, which is kind of have better carbon emission, lower carbon emission, not better. Yeah, and yeah. and for example, like even if you do, if you travel with Google Maps, it also shows you the route with like less carbon emissions. So and you know other companies are doing similar. So I guess calculating that into one number helps to compare things. Yeah, uh, and definitely things like uh, being mindful and shutting down your deployments when you're not using them can help with that. Mm. What do you think about serverless? Do you think serverless is the most sustainable way of running no, I, your workloads? Well, I guess not always. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would say maybe for some workloads it can be. Like it's better than kind of running machines all the time mm. if, if your traffic is, is very spiky. So yep. I guess that's good. But you can do that as well with other solutions. You can have, you mm -hmm. know... Mm -hmm. Other, either GKA autopilot or kind of like some some auto scaling in your Kubernetes in any other form or any other kind of you know orchestrations orchestration system. Um, so I guess the the auto scaling part is more efficient in serverless. However, there are lots of kind of like overheads as well. Um, there are many layers until your function actually runs. So yeah, it really yep. depends. Uh, yeah, let's go with the next one. Okay, can you introduce yourself? Maybe what's your name? What's your profession? Uh, my name is Harsh Thakur. Um, I've been a developer since last two, two and a half years. Um, I work at Sevo Cloud right now. Uh, uh, I develop operators over there, maintain the API. Um, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so first question is around software optimizations, right? So do you think it's still relevant these days? Like, is it still important to make our programs like maybe faster and optimize them to be have cheap to be cheaper and use less memory and so? I think it's important now more than ever because um, now that we have horizontally scaling so easily available, it's pretty much taken for granted and everyone just turns on the autoscaler and keeps on expanding until they see the huge bill and they realize that, oh, we've been shot shorted uh, and uh, I think like looking at um, ha having metrics and uh, knowing that uh, ha having some way to uh, know how much memory usage uh, is being like it needs to be tracked over time every release uh, because most of the software like it starts at the right pace where we don't mind it and as soon as we add a couple of functionality it keeps on growing growing and then we start taking it for granted and at some point we don't even track it anymore. Oh. Exactly, yeah. Thank you. Okay, and next question, like totally different area. Are you using any of those cool AI, generative AI tools, maybe during your work, or maybe you are planning to use some AI tools? What do you think? Um, yeah, so AI has changed like a lot of like last six months. I've got uh, AI in my browser, in my terminal, everywhere pretty much. But do you use it or is it just hype? Uh, I use it. Uh, so it does all the menial stuff I don't want to do. Like if I forget, like, uh, a command, I can just ask AI to just generate it for me. And even for stuff like, even for code, like, it doesn't ge always generate um, what I want, but it gets close enough for me to edit it and get it in the right path anyway. So it's like glorified autocomplete pretty much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, it, it's pretty cool. Like, uh, Amazing. No, no, this is, um, yeah, you're already advanced user, I, I see. Or like, <laughs> it's kind of music, uh, you know, like during your, 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 your weeks. Okay, but like last question, switching gears again. Like, what's your prediction for um, next year, next KubeCon, next CNCF, maybe talks around or projects? Is there anything you think will happen or maybe you want to happen? I think uh, Wasm is getting a lot of attention. Like, I think Wasm will finally have, like, like the containers had the Docker movement, I think Wasm will finally get its Docker movement at some point soon because a lot of people are investing into it so heavily. The, the Wasi spec is evolving and everything. So once that happens, I think a lot of people, like, even with policies and plugins and everywhere, it's already there. So it's uh, it'll be about time when it gets into the servers uh, web servers uh, area as well
Amazing. Thank you. Wow. So many interesting mm. points here. Um, and, and he was so young, by the way. I, I mean, I really admire his skill set given, given, you know, he, he was... Yeah, only a couple of years of experience. Yeah. yeah. But okay, first point. It's easier than ever to deploy things and people just deploy without thinking about cost, right? Uh, and I think that's definitely true, right? Yeah. You get access to the cloud, infinite scaling. Why should I deploy only a single replica? I want five replicas. Yeah. And also those horizontal scalable solutions too accessible. Like this is this is mm -hmm. what I wrote in my book as well. Efficient go. And, and you know, this is a kind of like so true. Like this is where maybe there we are in the era of not premature optimizations, but premature scalability, right? And mm. um, because yeah, it's so accessible, it's so easy. It's um, to, to satisfy, satisfy certain load, I might as well like spin up more replicas instead yeah. of actually looking in the code that you are doing something silly, right? Uh, and maybe mm -hmm. duplicate it. So, so true. And I'm honestly surprised or like, yeah, I really um, excited to see yeah. so young people understanding this problem so well. Mm. So you think uh, nowadays the solution to a memory leak, when in the past it was just uh, vertically scaling, adding more memory, now it's horizontally scaling. Well, memory leak, memory. I guess the quick solution would be to restart. And some people do that, like yeah. restart quicker than the, you know, <laughs> so that's one thing. But then if you have uh, a bigger problem, like maybe you're overusing CPU or, or, or yeah, or memory, um, you, you move to the bigger node and you move to more nodes yeah. prematurely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. And, and the second point was uh, using AI and especially using AI for helping you with certain commands, right? And I think that's can be super valuable. Actually, today I, I read, um, you know, somebody posted, uh, you know, their open source project on like a Rust CLI to help you kill all processes that are listening on a certain pod. And one of the top comments in the, mm -hmm. uh, whatever this post was, I asked uh, ChatGPT how uh, it will do it, and it just told me, kill LSOF, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> which is just like, you know, listing all oh, the... Oh, no. Yeah. So Pseudo. Already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like a common help, that, and that is good. Like, I don't need to remember said and ask and, and mm. all these crazy grab things. Uh, that's that's cool. I mean, yeah, I, I think... I. I think I felt I tried to use like something to to tell me how to do functions in Makefile because it's mental. Yeah. It's it's so so mm. opaque, and it failed because it asked show me the bash function inside of Makefile. Oh. But anyway, it was uh, almost close. Anyway, maybe it will be better. But the fact that like he um, you know this um, he called it glorified autocomplete. I mean I I love it. It kind of makes sense for the code, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And finally. Wasm. Wasm. What? <laughs> Let's go. It, it sounds like a superhero, doesn't it? Yeah, it's WebAssembly, I guess, right? And um, and the family of, of what you can do with that. And mm -hmm. honestly, it, it comes, I think, in other interview maybe, but uh, generally I heard it, heard about it, um, I think, first time, like maybe last observability day on, in mm -hmm. Detroit. Mm -hmm. One person did a full talk about that. And it's interesting. I don't buy this hype yet. Um, so what's the, the idea is that you, you basically compile everything to something right. that can run everywhere, right? Right. To JavaScript, yeah. right? Or what? Yeah, yeah. You compile something to to one certain, I guess, you know, runtime. format runtime, yeah. so your browser can run it, and there are Docker runtimes, I guess, or like you know, images that kind of consume this, and you can write things in Golang and. C yeah. and also Rust and also Python in anything and it's so it's the ultimate portability, ultimate uh, translation tool or no? Yeah, yeah, in a sense, um, and you know the the compiled thing is is roughly the same in whatever language you are doing it. Yeah, I, I kind of have it with Golang as well. I guess yeah. Well, <laughs> you you have to compile I, for a certain version, I guess, mm. of, of operating system, yeah. uh, and here you compile once i guess and it runs everywhere so there is a point yeah. i guess it's honestly yeah. i think the the killer feature is uh, you can run it in the browser right yeah because for ages you could like so many things uh in the end compile to whatever like c or uh, like some architecture specific uh, assembly but yeah being able to run in any browser is kind of crazy right? yeah and not having to write javascript <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I wish it was better. Yeah, with Golang, for example, you are limited with what libraries, and if you have a library which is very, like a native library that that talks yeah. to the file system, then you are totally screwed. It's totally like incompatible and weird. But I didn't check it lately. Maybe maybe it's better. But honestly, mm -hmm. I don't get the advantages yet um, yeah. because I can do things in any other language and also build Docker of that. And it's mm -hmm. probably more efficient than running, you know, Wasm. Uh, for for yeah. but maybe I my mind can change. Yeah. Interesting. Let's uh, let's hear. Yeah, maybe we can yeah. have some guests at some point talking about that. Definitely, definitely. Okay, let's jump to the next talk. Can you introduce yourself? Maybe what's your name? What's your profession? I'm Michael. I'm a senior developer introduced at GitLab. I focus mostly on observability, DevSecOps, a little bit of AI. Amazing. Oh, that's that's good that you mentioned AI because kind of my first question is, you know, do you use any AI tools right now as, um, you know, in your work? I would say like I'm most excited about the things we are building at GitLab right now. So like um, having uh, code reviews or metrics reviews as a suggestion so I don't need to like look it up from a list or something like that. I'm also excited about the code suggestions, which which are in, in open beta right now. So like having something similar to like learning to code or suggestions, but also in a way I'm more excited to see um, AI in in the DevOps workflows or whenever you think of, hey, this security vulnerability, I need to understand that. Maybe AI can like help understand it, explain explain it to us, and also find a way to like uh, do a root cause analysis, not just like fix the problem and then half a year you fix it again and again um, but rather like helping to identify maybe re-architecture or things like that so this is something I, I'm not sure if it will happen this way but, but I would love to see certain use cases being solved um, yeah and just making our lives easier because like developers need to do everything nowadays and with like some some help it can get quite easy that's amazing okay so um, the GitLab AI kind of extensions, like they will be also available for public repositories or kind of like kind of embedded into that or we need to pay additionally or how it works? To be honest, I don't know exactly about the pricing plans. For now, it's uh, available for ultimate customers. Um, and some, there are also like some experimental features currently being built. So like watching out what is coming, I think. Yesterday, um, the team announced um, an experimental feature to summarize issue comments, um, just to like find another use case. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what the teams are building, and I think the pricing will be then decided by someone else. Nice, amazing. I mean, there's all this is new ecosystem, so we are testing things out. Uh, but I'm looking forward to you know create my pull requests or you know the, the change set and 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 not be not needed to describe the PR because it will be automatically done, right? Yeah, and I think the, the thing I'm, I'm also like excited about is, and since I'm also living in Germany, privacy is a big thing. Um, the data being used for training the models is either a licensed uh, third party or like our own data. So um, we're ensuring that, for example, customers, uh, the, the, the customer private repositories are not part of the training model for the AI. So you can really be sure about this, what is being used and nothing gets leaked for some, for some reason. This is amazing, yeah, because the privacy issue is, is kind of like not explored too much. So, yeah, thanks for that. Switching a little, a little bit gears, um, what do you think about software efficiency? So essentially making things, optimizing things to, you know, have things uh, run faster or maybe cheaper. Do you think it's still relevant skill to have? Do you think we need to still kind of care about those things? I think we need to care about those things, but a trend I've seen is like learning to instrument code is something which adds more on top of the developer. So this is something which didn't really resonate when I tried explaining that and seeing tools like e or technology like eBPF and auto instrumentation and profiling and many, many other things possible. This makes it easier <laughs> to understand what, the, what is the problem. Um, I do. I still think we need like the, having the experience to optimize code to make it more efficient. Um, where people like you are writing amazing books about to like really help the community understand. And um, yeah, I think efficiency is like the biggest theme of 2023. I think like not AI. AI, yeah, <laughs> AI of course um, as well, but also like 
cost efficiency in the cloud or cloud native, but also like CI/CD efficiency, which I keep talking for like three years now about. It's still an ongoing topic. Totally. I mean, we can end up, uh, yeah, paying a lot of money for for something inefficient there, right? Okay. So last question: um, What's your predictions for the next year in the CNCF? Like anything you are particularly looking forward to? I think like um, seeing so many great tools which help like debug production with observability. I do think we will adopt more eBPF um, technology, but also in the sense of creating reusable libraries. Um, I do know like Cilium and, and others are doing an amazing job, but I do think we kind of need um, a more generic approach or maybe sharing use cases. Also finding ways to, to test an eBPF program in CI/CD. Currently, you need a running kernel, and it's like it's a little nightmare to do that. Um, and I think the developer experience in that regard will become easier because of more people using it. Um, and we also can like work together as a community to ensure that we we figure out what what's needed to learn it because the entry level is pretty high with like kernel development a little bit. Um, and in the end, it's like this. I think this is one of the things AI and efficiency themes can help. Um, and probably like everyone will be using a platform and not seeing the technology at all. Um, but in, in, in essence, when something breaks, we need to know about it. Amazing. Thank you very much. Yeah, lots of good stuff. Um, you know, like first of all, GitLab getting into AI game, right? Um, yeah, GitHub yeah. already... They're on the train. They're on the AI train. But like they, they have a solid, um, you know, they have a solid kind of like area, surface area for that. Like they, yeah. they have, you know, repositories, they have um, their hosted model, uh, managed model. So um, it's it sounds great. And I really like the fact that they really care about the license, the, the kind of how, how model what is the data input of this model. So the model is yeah. narrow, which means it would be more correct on the things mm -hmm. it specializes in and also have control of the data. So I love it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but we discussed in like previous episodes that, uh, you know, whoever owns the data in the AI race uh, will be very well positioned. Uh, so yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do, or how their solution compares to Copilot, yep. right? Because it seems like direct, uh, you know, competition between GitHub and uh, GitLab. So definitely interesting to see. Yeah. But uh, what what else uh, was interesting here? We talked a little bit about uh, auto instrumentation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and honestly, I, I I got his answer initially wrong. I thought, yeah, you know, efficiency is not that important or like not important enough, or at least like the instrumentation part is so tedious and so hard um so it might be even like not paying out yeah you know the efficiency uh improvements uh, because at the end like also it's kind of like a big gap um, but you know you have to instrument your code you have to have metrics or at least some kind of information what's the current measurement of your efficiency let's say on the different levels to even like improve anything so that's a kind of good call yeah from Michael, but generally, um, I really like the fact that, you know, like there are solutions to that, um, to make maybe this initial part of efficiency improvement. So monitoring or, or maybe, you know, debugging yeah. much easier with auto instrumentation tools like eBPF or, I don't know, service meshes or kind of things around, or, you know, somebody mentioned, I think Frederick at some point with, and I think we mentioned that as well, some AI generating instrumentation in place. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the way that I understood his point is that uh, basically performance optimization and fixing all of these, uh, you know, nasty performance issues is very difficult, right? And um, it requires, uh, you know, education. People need to know how to do it. Uh, and it's not like, oh, I have a performance issue. Let me fix it. Like you have to have some prerequisites in place. Like this is where instrumentation plays part. So, yeah, definitely it is something that if you need to think about when you start building, you know, a new project. And uh, it's, I think it's very difficult to balance between, you know, uh, optimizing for performance versus 
optimizing for features. Features, yeah. right? Uh, but the <laughs> but the fact that uh, you know the CI/CD efficiency was mentioned, I think mentioned, I think is something um, we don't discuss a lot. Um, we all only talk yeah. about production applications, yeah, right? And even I think I missed that in my book. And and you know. CI/CD is actually probably more running than than some applications. Oh, um, it's constantly rebuilding and, and very hard compute. I mean, you have to do a lot of testing and 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 that kind of like means spinning up every version on every commit. Uh, most of the cases. Yep, so yep. so just because it is running so often and it's in critical path, you know, just improving a little bit CPU and memory here can yield uh, a lot of you know, uh, yeah. Um, Oh, nice. You were thinking about optimizing the way you run CI/CD for basically saving either cost or environment. Yeah. And the way that I was thinking is like saving my time, right? Because I don't want to wait for a build. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess that's also saving money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think Michael meant the efficiency. And you know, that, that doesn't mean uh, changing <laughs> the code, connected. by the They're way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it might be changing, you know, like improving the algorithm where, for example, like when new mm, version definitely. is released, you stopped testing the previous one, the previous commit, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, and only get the latest or you know it really depends on your case but um th th there are a lot of things you can do or maybe you run the test only for the portion of code that makes sense mm -hmm. no one invented yeah. this this is so easy to me like so <laughs> easy step um i'm so i just put a regex of what files change no one is doing this at least i didn't see and then uh, if i import them somewhere and this breaks sure then yeah then i guess you need to fix your regex <laughs> to also understand the dependency tree i agree but yeah, it's maybe still you doable. can ask uh, to write you the perfect regex for that right to include imports no? <laughs> yeah i don't think that works <laughs> but again like, i think it's doable um someone needs to create a company for that or make yeah. it louder that such a company exists awesome let's uh, jump to the next interview can you introduce yourself very quickly what's your name what's your profession I'm Jimmy Zelensky. I'm one of the founders of a company called AuthZ. We, oh, we build SpiceDB, which is a database for fine-grained permissions. Amazing. Okay, so the first question is about software efficiency. Our podcast is called Optimize All the Things. So I was just curious, like, if the software efficiency, so making sure it's faster and cheaper to run, is still relevant these days? Do you think it's an important skill to have? Absolutely. Um, we build a product that is a database. So the core of it actually is optimization. Um, because we do permissions checks, absolutely every operation you take on a server first typically checks to see if you have permission to take that action. Um, so all of that has to be done in mere maybe 10 milliseconds max. Um, and that's before you do any real work outside of everything you're going to do. So for us, we spend all of our time trying to optimize and make that number as small as possible because we want to check that permission and get completely out of the way. That's amazing. Yeah, still relevant, definitely. Okay, another question, totally different gears. Um, are you using AI tools or maybe you're looking forward to maybe embedding AI tools, generative AI into your workflow? Uh, I think we've investigated it more on kind of basically building scaffolding, whether you're writing blog posts or even code. Uh, exploring that as a as a venue for it. Um, as for deeper integration into our product, um, maybe recommendations around designs. Uh, we have generated some schemas for our database out of AI, uh, but it's not something that we've built directly into the product yet. Um, in the future, we're looking into integrating actually um, basically fragments of schema that you can then use to do um, load testing of the actual database and your data inside it. And in that scenario, we might also be exploring AI to help like understand and recommend things for the shape of your data uh, to actually represent um, your real workloads. So it's kind of like smart fuzzing, right? Yeah, yeah, effectively fuzzing for performance and design, right? That's pretty neat, yeah. amazing. And the last question, what's your prediction for CNCF ecosystem for the next year or maybe you know next half of the year? What you are looking forward, what's, you know, that's something you are looking forward personally? Yeah, I think the BPF stuff is still really taking off. Um, I think in the previous KubeCons, we saw one or two things that were interesting with BPF, but now I feel like it's really kind of hitting its stride. And we're seeing way more interesting use cases. Um, I personally am, have now discovered, especially with performance, that BPF 
is critical to doing some things like continuous profiling. Um, really, we, we tried to use it without BPF at the core and it was just too slow. Um, so I think it's actually enabling a lot of things that you couldn't do before. Um, yeah, I would plug myself, but I also think WebAssembly is another big one. We're finally starting to see a lot of that uh, ecosystem take off and have people really understand it and start using it. So what's the benefit of WebAssembly? I'm just, uh, you know, what's, what's the advantage of using, you know, Golang stack or Python stack? So I think it's basically the uh, output. So by producing kind of a WebAssembly object that you're going to run, um, that's kind of like the the uh, neutral format that then someone can use to run your code. Um, so the way I see it is it's ideal for serverless. You produce a WebAssembly bundle at the end. Um, some of the more interesting stuff, we actually compile our whole database into WebAssembly so you can run it in the browser. And that lets you basically test out without installing any software. Um, so that, that's really neat. Uh, but then, what else? Uh, I think also the future of it, um, for me, I'm interested in its capabilities to actually do JIT compilation. So if we could make our query planner for our database actually uh, basically JIT optimized by compiling to WebAssembly on the fly, that's a definitely down the road thing that we're, we're looking into. That's epic. Yeah. Thank you very much. Wow, okay. <laughs> database in the browser. Yeah, I told you, like those people are amazing. Yeah, and I, I guess yeah, as as we uh, talked about uh, WebAssembly earlier, the ability to run the browser uh, maybe that's the crazy part. I mean the serverless as well, right? It's a good point. Oh yeah, 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 yeah definitely, definitely. But yeah, uh, amazing guests. Uh, you you found some really interesting people to uh, to talk to. Uh, I have actually followed uh, SpiceDB for a while now. I don't know if you re remember at uh, uh, at Improbable where we worked uh, together. Mm -hmm like this evolution of our old system was also Zanzibar inspired like uh, I didn't know that to build something. I didn't know that I yeah and I think it's just it brilliant right. and you know invented by whoever but actually it was yeah. a good foundation nice yeah, yeah. Uh, okay what else performance is important especially when you're talking about authorization right when yeah. each request you're making needs to be authorized, right? Yeah. and So you need to go to... It's critical path. Like it, anything you do, any any request, mm -hmm. any functionality of your server has to first ask authorization. So, you know, it's it's critically fast. So, you know, and the fact that, that he mentioned, you know, WebAssembly being everywhere um, and using that to, to, to make it mm -hmm. even fast and, you know, maybe with optimizations, as he mentioned, with JIT, so just-in-time compilation, um, yeah, sounds like WebAssembly can be fast, and uh, you know uh, that's also kind of learning to me. <laughs> um, but you know, like uh, we saw so many kind of use cases of optimizations. So yeah, it's interesting to hear it's still relevant on so many dimensions. And AI, uh, using AI for fuzzing your input that makes sense, right? Or like to to create uh, shape the input for your benchmark yep. for your workload. Yep. It's epic, man, it, because this is where you are crafting something artificially and it's super hard to model like natural behavior mm -hmm. of your server or maybe of you, of the human. Like imagine like you are um, benchmarking primitive server, right? So you want to yep. either avalanche project, which kind of generates you some series, which mm -hmm. kind of like life. I, I also wrote so many ways of kind of generating <laughs> artificial data, right? But it yep. was all, always artificial <laughs> and adding AI on top of it, so um, it makes more, you know, production kind of flows, and maybe you can tell, okay, give me more uh, more dynamic environments, or maybe mm -hmm. someone that runs MySQL, and you kind of like mimic the, 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 the load of it based on some input. This yep. is epic, man. This is super epic. Yeah, very interesting. Now it just makes me want to go to ChatGPT and say, as a Prometheus instrumented application, what happens if I hit slash metrics? And just uh, show me what, what if I hit it in five seconds, in five more seconds? Like, w would it increment the metrics? Like, what what will happen? Yeah, I don't know. You have to try. You have to, you have to try. Um, and the fact that eBPF uh, was mentioned, and especially for those like critical applications, like like Jimmy is developing with the team, you know, you know, like um, the fact that instrumentation is too 
expensive for for his use case it's it's interesting mm -hmm. right like you know the the profiles can take you yep. know like 10 maybe in the best case like five percent of your cpu time uh, mm -hmm. which is most cases, you know, maybe relevant, but, you know, for his was, was actually important, right? So changing to EBPF yeah. takes it to 1% or something, so all lower. Oh, wow. So it it's crazy. Cool. It's worth, it's worth the kind of like effort of making, you know, maybe uh, on coding kernel, essentially. Yeah. But uh, yeah, also uh, at some point, authorization in the kernel, right? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, sure. Like it's all, yeah, epic, like super epic, um, learnings okay let's move to another one okay so can you introduce yourself maybe what's your name what's your profession okay i'm rafael i'm working in in Crino, and i'm a site reliability engineer amazing okay and the first question is about software efficiency do you as a, as a software engineer do you care about that to make software faster and cheaper or is that not so important these days well, especially in our context of cost reduction, it's very much important. So, for example, we, were, we are running uh, Prometheus at scale, so we are gathering millions of time series every second. And we had actually a very uh, an efficient way to uh, scrape that and to filter in different shards. And that was actually a big investigation that we had with actually an extremely simple solution, as it often is. Uh, to optimize that and we were able to reduce the cost by a third. So yeah, that's actually quite important and it can lie not always in just in the software but in the configuration as well. Amazing, yeah, thank you. Just to change uh, the gears, um, do you use AI, ChatGPT, generative AI in your work, during your work? Do you think, are you looking forward to using those tools? Yes, actually. Especially, uh, I've been doing it lately to generate uh, boilerplate code a bit like uh, Copilot uh, was before, especially when also when something is unclear to me. Uh, I ask it, explain to me as if I was completely out of uh, software engineering, and then it's, uh, it makes things in very easy words, and it's really easy to learn things. The only thing is whenever it's doing code, it's often hallucinating functions or things like that, so you must still be a bit wary still to know where you are going to, but uh, it's a great tool to discover and to gather things around. Yeah. Amazing, thank you. And the last question, what's uh, your prediction for the next CNCF ecosystem things? What are you passionate about in future, what we see in Chicago next KubeCon or maybe next year? What do you think uh, the world is going into? Well, I, in my field of work, I'd say open telemetry is definitely something I'm really looking uh, forward to integrating in a role, especially with metrics going generally available, logs are, are starting to be something. And having everything gathered in a single project, everything easy to correlate, easy to work with, probably in a single uh, collector uh, patterns and everything, is really something I'm looking forward to. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. Nice. Amazing. I really like this tip um, on using AI. Um, you know, like try to, you know, if you're asking something, like even mention the prompt in the prompt. Um, please yep. explain this like I'm five years old or something like that. I also, like I'm like I'm a kid, and it actually you know like goes to the essence of the things usually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you, it kind of uh, allows you to not have to read all of the documentation. Yeah, just get the LDR. <laughs> yeah, and open uh, open uh, telemetry mention that always uh, that was kind of very common. Of course, open telemetry sessions were fully fully packed in KubeCon, and you know yeah. the fact you can glue so many protocols together and so many mm -hmm. um, signals, so logs, metrics, traces, and profiling together, and there are yeah. really cool processors that generates you really anything from anything, and so you can mix <laughs> and match and. Yep. That's pretty mind-blowing. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, the one session that was kind of like showing how you can stream, you, you have a log la, you have a log stream and you kind of stream one, this, some like a error messages to mm -hmm. hot storage and everything else together with error messages to, with, to cold storage. And then you All artificially right. change and add inject metadata in, in, in separate streams differently. Yeah, and all mm -hmm. of this from YAML, really. Um, yeah, it's wow. be pretty epic. Where does all of this happen? Inside your application or somewhere? No, 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 this is Open Telemetry Collector. Collector, yeah. yeah. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Good stuff. Nice, interesting. And uh, 
what, what do you think about optimizing your what was it optimizing your uh, Prometheus performance by one third or what did he mention? Yeah, so I think what I like what he mentioned is that um, there you can optimize on many levels. You don't need to dive into code. You can just change some configuration sometimes and, you know, like uh, maybe deploy things in a different way or just change retention or something like something you don't use, you can turn off, right? So in, ta- yeah. in Thanos, you could turn, turn off the sampling, for example, because maybe you, you don't want to use it, right? So it will re- reduce yeah, so, a lot. So, so do you think uh, people can put in their CVs, you know, I, I can optimize C, I can optimize Java, and the next one will be, I can optimize YAML. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess no. <laughs> I guess I guess optimize YAML would mean would, would mean you, in a readable way, honestly, uh, which is fair as well. You can template YAML, <laughs> but um, I can optimize I mean, deployments. I mean, uh, That's kind of like config, right. yeah. optimizing your config. Yeah, oh, your config is YAML. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I think you are too tired even. <laughs> Yeah, that was an amazing joke. But no, no, it wasn't. No appreciation. No, next time. <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. So, Batek, let's do a quick summary. What What is your feeling out of uh, all of these conversations? Do you think people find performance important still? I mean, we have the survey, right? Like all of them said it's in some way important. Um, people mentioned different areas right yeah uh, maybe the critical paths when things has to be ultra fast maybe mm-hmm. then mention something that can be you know like less carbon um, have less carbon emissions yeah, uh, yeah. we mentioned um, CICD pipelines where maybe unexpectedly we're using more resources um, yep. so really yeah, focusing on, on things um, that matter what did you learn about AI uh, about AI yeah I, I think a lot of people are excited about it uh, I think a lot of people are starting to use it, and you, I feel like if you're not at least experimenting with it, you're kind of losing something, right? Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what will happen in like uh, six months or one year, but just based on the hype around it right now, I feel like yeah, you. People should give it a go. And yeah, yeah. so many. I mean, some people. So many people we ask already were using it. Um, so that was yep. also a news. And yeah, right in in an incredible different ways. And you know, with this workload generation for testing. I mean, so unique, amazing ways of of of, of having value from that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, predictions, predictions about future KubeCons. What's the general feeling, Bart? Yeah, sounds like it's um, eBPF and WASM uh, at least mentioned a couple of times. We need more diversity, yep. uh, mm-hmm. more you know underrepresented groups speaking and being there and just you know like giving their input. Yep. And AI, right? And people. Oh yeah, being forgot about, about AI. AI. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, amazing learnings. Um, hope you liked that as well. Hope you um, you you learned. Yeah, so that's it from our side. Uh, this is like a bonus episode, I guess. Well, not bonus. It's kind of like within the week, but it's special. We don't ha- we didn't have a news. We didn't have like a normal discussion. So I hope you enjoy it. Give us feedback um, if you like it or not. And see you on the next one. Thank you. See ya.